the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I'm going to blend a little strategy with current headlines today. Let's see where the show takes us. Thanks for listening. Happy July 7, 2023. The year's halfway over. Quite a year we're having. The outperformers, the NASDAQ and the S&P 500, the underperformers, the Dow, international markets and small caps inside the United States. I'm not. I had a nice, nice little break. I took Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday off. Thank you for letting me do that. Thank you for not freaking out. Thank you for not sending me an email that said something along the lines of where you quit. Did you quit? Did you get fired? Uh, nope. Just like you. Every now and then I need a little time to charge. Yesterday was a good news is bad news day, and the strong private sector ADP employment report showed jobs were added two times more than forecasts. Treasury yields surged to 4% plus, indication that investors expect the Fed to resume hiking interest rates to cool down the job market. I think that's all true. Today, we're going to get another labor report, the first of the month inside the United States called non-farm payrolls. That's the one that I think is the most important to pay attention to. I know that sounds um, dramatic, but you got to go with me. And when I say it, it, it kind of is dramatic, um, if Americans have jobs, and I would say somewhere around 4 to 5%, 5% unemployment, it starts to becoming bad. For the stock market, 4% getting better, 3% great. It's not quite the right way I want to say that. Give me a couple more days to work on that phrase, but that's where I'm at. The June employment report was mixed. That's playing into the narrative today. Um, We are dealing with a new quarter and a new month in the back half of the year where people are in my industry are going to say how the first half go. Let's bet a little bit differently on the second half. Hmm. I saw a headline that I'm going to have to digest during the uh, commercials, but that is for another time. Okay. I need to get to our job. A couple headlines out there. Japan's prime minister may reportedly reshuffle his cabinet. Japan's doing quite well. Their stock market finally after 20 plus years. Malaysia left its policy on rate unchanged at 3%. The EU is reportedly looking to withdraw from the International Energy Charter Treaty. South Korea's May current account surplus reached 1.9 billion. These are all the type of headlines that you have to be willing to go through. The employment situation report for June Non-farm payrolls, um, average hourly earnings, unemployment rate, and the average hourly week are what we're paying attention to. Um, 
those the that's the data. They're all slightly different. Let me go over what I just said and, and show you how it actually works. The June unemployment rate was 3.6% versus 3.6% expectation. <clears throat> Last month, it was 3.7%. So employment in the United States is getting lower and uh, higher and higher is the right way of saying that. Uh, we're pretty fully employed. You're not going to see an unemployment rate going down to 2%. Okay, I shouldn't say you're never going to see it, but I don't think you will. Two non-farm payrolls were 209,000 versus expectations 230. Again, that's actually a, a weaker number. And so far, we have one stronger number, one weaker number. June average hourly earnings, uh, four-tenths of a percent versus 0.3-tenths of a percent. <clears throat> Again, about a push. June average work week, 34.4 hours versus last, uh, the consensus expectation is 34.43. So we're working just a skosh more, slightly inflationary. Um, so the take on all this is going to be that it wasn't a very telling jobs report. In my opinion, the employment rate, employment population ratio was unchanged at 60.3%. The labor force participation rate at 62.6%. There's been some knee-jerk volatility recently. The two-year Treasury went from 5.02% to 4.9% right before the release. Something the junior employment report won't change is the Fed's view that additional tightening action is likely to be appropriate. I think that's the bottom line for us today. July, we're going to see another 25 basis points. So if you've got money socked away in an interest-bearing account, you're like, ooh, sweet, more money. And if you've got money in cash that is doing nothing and it's not exposed to interest rates, you're like, ooh, I should put that money to work. That's one of the things. Let's use that as our phrase to get out of this segment. Having money be able to be used to, to work for you. When the interest rates on the tenure are at 2%, 2% is not going to give me enough to retire on. It's not going to beat inflation over the long term. So I'm like, I'm going to put money in the stock market at 3% on the 10-year treasury. Now, inflation average is somewhere between 2 and 4%. At 3%, I'm like, I'm still going to put money in the stock market. At 35 I'm like starting to go, okay, that's actually a pretty good return. At 4%, it's a great return. At 5%, it's a fantastic return. I said this to my friend Tony yesterday on the drive back from uh, the mountains. I said, I, I think... This is the year that I put more money into interest-bearing accounts than I ever have in my life. Does that make me feel old? Yes. But it's also 20 years ago when rates were competitive to put money into CDs and two-year treasuries. Um, I wasn't having it because I was, I was too young. I was just barely you know, 30 years old. Um, no. Too young for me to be in bonds then. But as I'm getting older, I don't mind taking this 5% that I'm getting now. That's about all that we have for the employment report. Again, there's some mixed numbers in it. I don't think there's anything to get excited about. I think if the Fed's going to raise interest rates in July. Um, the labor market is causing the Fed grief because inflation really won't break to that 2% level from 4% until we lose jobs and people stop spending on airports or in airports, on travel, on massages, on things that make you feel good non-discretionary items. 
losses in a few mega caps are weighing on the broader market. So we're seeing a little bit healthier of the breadth on the market today. Again, we want small caps and international not to do as well as big caps and tech heavy companies. But we, we, we want it more even than it's been. Yesterday, the NASDAQ was down eight tenths of a percent. The SP 500 was down eight tenths of a percent. The Dow was down 1.07%. Yesterday was the good news is bad news that we already talked about. The ADP employment report showed private sector jobs added a lot of jobs. And again, that was shown today, but a little bit more mixed on a broader employment report. <laughs> it's a more legit, it measures more than ADP does. So I don't think the market's really overreacting to it. Oh, did you see Threads is now up to 50 million users? Just like that, it's going to catch Twitter. No, it's not going to catch Twitter. But the, the smack talk is huge between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. Now, there's one thing that I hate, or I don't hate. I find it silly and entertaining all at the same time because it's it's not really news. But they're feuding via tweets and via Threads. And it's kind of funny. Meta only needs one in four Instagram users to use threads monthly for it to be as big as Twitter. Uh, And I think they're going to get there. So it's a nicer, more kind area than Twitter. And it's it's visually makes a little bit more sense. I'll let you know when I join into threads officially. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Maybe one day soon we'll get the Instagram threads Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. I think the biggest lesson I could teach you this segment is I don't think investing is about being right. I think it's about comparing choices and making the wiser of the two. Now, it's not just choices like Amazon versus Macy's or Meta's Twitter, Meta's threads versus Twitter. I think it's bigger than that. Apple versus everyone else. Um, I think sometimes the comparison is you're looking for, you know, how much, how many, how much, how much sales is how, how many dollars in sales does the company record? What are the profit margins? Do they have exposure to more markets overseas? I think comparison is really, really important. I told, told you numerous times, one of the best business books to learn about comparing companies is the death of competition. And it helps you when you can identify who the leaders are. Time to invest in the difference between SAP and Siebel and Oracle and Informatica. Um, it really helps if you see, oh, company A has got sales that are 10 times bigger than company B. That's important. It depends on what you're looking for. Are you looking for the safety? Are you looking for more imp- Margin improvement? Are you looking for a revenue story? So learning how to compare companies, wildly important. I was alive and investing at a time when you could still invest in Kmart. I never did. Because every time I went into Kmart, it was a lot like the movie Rain Man. It sucked. It was not a consumer experience that I enjoyed. For some reason, I've only been in one Walmart in my life, which is a really weird thing to say. But it was kind of nice. It was in Hawaii where I think even bad is kind of nice, you know, more often than not. So Mark is digesting the mixed June employment report. Oh, back to comparison. I want to stick with this for a couple minutes. Amazon's facing off with Macy's big time. 
Maisie C's used to have a summertime sale that I'm young enough that in the 1990s, pre-Amazon, I would say if I'm going to buy a suit, I'm going to buy it on one of their super sales. Now, in the last 15 years, I think I've been into a Macy's once. That was to like buy a jacket and pants for a funeral. Um, or I didn't have time to get it wrong by having it delivered or going to a tailor. Um, Macy's and Nordstrom's, many, many men get their suits from because there's a lot of stuff off the rack that it priced a little bit better than designer or designer brands that are priced a little bit more reachable. And again, I was a younger man, but Macy's sales event runs Thursday through July 12th. It's overlapping with summer deals announced by Amazon, by Target, by Circle Week, Best Buy. Um, Black Friday in July is what we like to call that sometimes. Walmart. I think buying stuff on sale is great. But if you were to compare Amazon, which the segment's all about, to Macy's, Macy's is the physical stores, and that's a problem. Because if you go into a Macy's, sometimes there's one, two, three levels. And again, if you're looking for the men's section, it's always going to be on level three when you walk in on level one. And the way the escalator goes up, it's always going to be on the other side of the escalator. Don't know why. There's probably some strategic reason why. No. But to me, it's all about the real estate. And that's what I don't like about Macy's. And when I go into Macy's now, it feels like they've got three people in the whole store. One on the first level, one on the second level, one on the third level. That may not be fair because I'm not going into Macy's a lot. Sometimes I'll walk through, though, but not on the intent of shopping. It feels like a warehouse. Whereas Amazon, I know exactly what I want to get, exactly the search button to, to hit to find it. And then you start you know, playing around. Summer sales have become a staple for retailers over the last decade as a way to beat the mid-year spending slump. Steep discounts that retailers offer tend to squeeze their margins. They're a necessary tactic to remain competitive and relevant among consumers who have grown accustomed to discounts. Amazon's two-day prime event, which the stock tends to rally into, will lead to $13.1 billion of online spending, up from 9.5% last year. This year's discounts will be more crucial than normal because Americans are spending less on discretionary purchases, especially high-ticket items that may require financing. That's where Target is uh, a loser of a retail right now. I own shares of Target, bought them recently. Um, it's a loser because their customer is the exact one who hurts from a recession. Prime Day shoppers plan to spend $250 on summer sales this year down from 388 in 2022 and 594 in 2021. Wow. 250 down from 594. That tells you something's on the horizon, no? On Thursday, Walmart and Target both launched their back-to-school savings campaigns, which will last through the summer. Walmart is enticing customers by offering its back-to-school assortment at the same prices as last year. Target, meanwhile, is giving teachers and college students a one-time 20% discount on an entire shopping trip. Do you remember going to, the, uh, going to the department stores and getting everything you need for the whole school year? And you're trying to be like a, a supply chain manager. Like, I think I'm going to need six notebooks, uh, two packs of loose leaf paper. No, three, just in case, three. 
and then it's all gone in the first month or you have extra supplies at the end of the year. Um, but now let's, let's move on from Macy's and Amazon. And again, there's no brainer to me. Amazon's the right choice. Long-term patient investor. Meta's Twitter rival thread explodes to 50 million signups one day after launch. Now, that's not all that impressive. And they're not going to try to monetize it. If you're looking to look at Facebook as Meta, it's go, oh, I bet they're going to um, monetize this puppy as fast as they can. They're not. They're going to wait till they hit probably 100 million. And they should be able to get that in a couple of weeks. The text-based social media platform already has more than 50 million signups. According to The Verge, reported that users had already posted more than 95 million posts and 190 million likes. To me, again, it has a, a, a nicer play where people sign up on Twitter that when we originally did, we didn't know what we were going to do with it. I figured out I can scroll through headlines. I never tweeted a friend, hey, I'll be there in five minutes. But on Instagram, you're oftentimes posting stories about what you did this summer. I went to see Taylor Swift. And now suddenly you can send out a text message saying, I went to see Taylor Swift. And you can do a poll on threads. Um, who thinks Taylor Swift is better than uh, Maya Hawk? And it's another way of interacting. And I, I, I think Threads is going to do well because of that. And it's really weird because you have two different CEOs, Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, where I think Musk is getting sometimes in over his skis. And I think Mark Zuckerberg is just kind of unlikable. Um, but you can't deny his platform has a, two Super Bowls a day on it of eyeballs and his platform being facebook the metaverse instagram threads whatsapp the way we communicate i would say social media is the wrong term it's maybe a communications company right you can find me online at roblox show twitter roblox show youtube roblox show i'm roblox what's the best way to choose a financial advisor download our guide at robblack.com that's robblack.com Powered by EP Wealth. Kind of a sticky world. Listen to a couple of these stories. Tesla pledged to promote core socialist values in China after its price cuts threatened Chinese EV rivals. Last quarter deliveries from Tesla's Shanghai factory made up over half the car makers' worldwide sales. In the last seven to eight months, probably, we've seen Elon Musk tinker with car prices in the United States where you could buy a Model X for 100000 the next week you can buy it for 90000 and two weeks after that you can buy it for 110000 Hate it. But I, I, no one seems to object, right? But China's saying, we want you to promote socialist values. And like a true sellout, Elon Musk is like, yep, I'll do that. Whereas companies like Google have left the country instead of saying, nope, I won't do that. Worthy of note, how morals can play into a company's success or failure. Elsewhere in a store of morality, Taylor Swift reportedly agreed to that $100 million promo deal with FTX before the crypto exchange backed out. Now, that's wild. Sam Bankman Freed decided he had a signed contract from Taylor. He gives her $100 million. She gives her brand to promote it. Now, Tom Brady and Larry David gave their brand to promote Sam Bankman-Fried's FTX, and they both 
have their brand deemed bet. Taylor would have gotten a lot of young women to sign up for crypto as if you're not going to be a singer who makes you know hundreds of millions of dollars from sold out stadiums, maybe you should buy crypto. I don't know what her message would have been, but I would say that's probably the best hundred million dollar deal she didn't sign as far as her brand goes. And I know she's got a brand worth well over a hundred million. Would have been nice to get the cash and run, but that's not typically how it lasts in the long term. Uh, keep on trucking. What do I mean there? Ford sales popped 10% from last year, driven by F-150 series or F-50, F-series trucks. I guess there's 150, 250, and 350. The F-150 what, isn't a, the icon that it used to be in my mind, um, but it still is a pretty damn well-selling car for Ford. U.S. new vehicle sales jumped in better than expected 13% in the first half this year. Again, tying into that inflationary world, right? You kind of have to learn the art of this. Um, and I hope I've done somewhat of a job of showing that to you through the years. Retirement savings experts say that the magic number is no longer 1 million. That's good. But other people will be thinking that they need to save more than less. According to a 2023 U.S. retirement survey, working Americans think they now need 1.1 million to retire. Average life expectancy is 77. So if you work till 62, that means you've got 15 years in retirement. At 1.1 million, that's a little less than, that's about 80,000 a year. Vanguard says that they think people should save 75 to 85% of their income for retirement years. No, 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 no. How's, why is the sentence so butchered the way I wrote it? Vanguard estimates... Estimated people should look to have 75 to 80% of their income for retirement years. Look at potential sources of income as 401ks, IRAs, pensions, savings, and Social Security. I do know a couple people with pensions, but let's just say they're cops and firefighters. Um, pensions are tougher and tougher to come by. Oh, I do know a school teacher too as well. So how was longevity play into it? If your grandma lived to like 95 years old, and grandpa lived 92, like my spouse's, there's a good chance she's going to live that long. So I've never used a 75-year-old assumption as the time to end at zero. How long did your grandmother and grandpa father live? How did they die? Did they die with a lot of medical care in the last three years, or did they fall asleep and never wake up? We could all only hope for the second one, right? Typical thought is that $1 million in savings and investments allows you to spend 40000 adjusted for inflation each year in retirement with little chance of outliving your money. So that $1.1 million, not a lot of money. I think we should all be looking for at least $2.5 million to err on the side of caution. Again, depends on your budget. I don't know your budget. A retirement nest egg of two and a half million can likely produce an annual income of a hundred thousand for as long as you are likely to live. This is using the four percent withdrawal rate that many advisors consider the standard, but that's changing too. Four percent two years ago when interest rates were near zero. 
versus 4% now where interest rates are near 5%. It's, it's going to play into how stocks behave and how bonds react. I think the variables for retiring that we all need to understand are healthcare costs. I was talking on TV yesterday and a nurse emailed me and she said, oh, you should take a look at your uh, neck. You should have a doctor take a look at it. I'm like, oh, God. And of course, I booked an appointment immediately. Um, but unexpected healthcare costs, 315000 to cover healthcare costs after you retire. That's part of that $2.5 million that you need to save. Inflation. It can be powerfully influential, as we've learned in the last two or three years. You need to have cash on the sidelines and a cash equivalent. It could be a laddered CD for those times when there's a market downturn where you don't want to be selling your stocks at a low to fund your retirement needs. Ideally, you're having dividends. Ideally, here's my ideal. You have a one-year CD, a two-year CD, and a three-year CD. So your three years of savings are tied up in there evenly. So if your budget's 100000 you've got 300000 in three one-year and three CDs, one year, a two-year, and a three-year. So you take the one year after the first year, you use that for your income, um, and you buy another three-year CD. And then everything moves down again the second year, the original three years now becoming two, and now it's the one-year bond left till maturation. And you get the idea, I think. Um, that way, what I want to do is have my stocks with who pay dividends replenish that third year, that, that ladder every year. The one that's being cashed out, I want it to be able to buy a new three-year CD the following year. Again, this is ideally... Realistically, I'll probably take a much different approach. Um, another problem with having $2.5 million is you don't really know your longevity. Living to age 95 and 100 is considerably different. The Social Security Administration says an average 65-year-old male will live to about 83, while the average woman can live to about 86 average. People in their 80s and 90s also generally reduce their spending with the exception of healthcare costs. Will that trend hold? Or will we have extreme tourism for people who are 80 plus? Or will we come up with some new service so that grandpa and grandma can enjoy their golden years living in virtual reality? I don't know. I think it's silly to say that I naturally assume that my costs will be lower at 85 than they are at 75. Retired at 65 with two and a half million likely involves generating high income and savings. There's a chance that you'll have assets to pass on. With estate planning, adding members of your family as beneficiaries for homes you paid off without a mortgage, you may have long-term positive effects for them. You may also want to think about any additional income streams. For example, if you own a business, you may want to add your family as a beneficiary so you can decide to keep the business running or sell it. Financial planning and estate planning is super important. CFP Chad Burton does the financial planning, and EP Wealth has services for estate planning, for real estate analysis, for getting you into alternative investments, um, I highly recommend working with a CFP once you hit 500000 or more. And I think the biggest mistake I see are some of my friends and family members or some of my friends who just do it on their own and they forget about some of the other services or they put off the other services. And I think that's a mistake. If you have wealth, act like it. Um, quit being a do-it-yourselfer. 
because there's people that can make your wealth safer and grow better for you over time. Anyhow, and anyway, I don't want to lecture, but I must. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Let's take a look at the markets because we're in the second half of the year. And for the first week of it, it hasn't been looking hot, 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 but it has been sticking in there. Um, it'll be an interesting second half. Stocks are drifting as jobs report came in cooler than expected. The Russell 2000 small caps are up 1.1%. That's nice to see. The NASDAQ's essentially flat. The Dow's down one-tenth of a percent. The SP 500 down fractions. So I would call that a drifting kind of day. Taking a look at stocks like um, there, it's definitely a market of winners and losers day. Microsoft's got a little bit of profit taking. Apple's got a little bit of profit taking. Google's got a little bit of profit taking. Uh, Meta's got a little bit of profit taking. And then names like Target and Caterpillar and NVIDIA and others I'm just seeing move higher. So it looks like some people are selling some winners from the first half. Again, that's really analysis. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Don't want to work forever? Check out the Retirement Planning Guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Every now and then I want to remind parents to tell their children, and children never listen to the show. And I, when I say children, I'm like, people under 25 is probably the right way of saying that, although they feel like young adults, they look like children to me. Um, there's a weird story going around on Colleen Ballinger. And I shouldn't know this story, but she's one of those comic musicians. She's kind of multi-talented. And um, there's a lot of accusations against her, some of which I, I don't know anything about. But one of them is that she was wearing blackface while she was singing um, all the pretty, all the single ladies uh, by Beyonce. And it certainly looks like that until you learn that two songs before she had her face covered in green paint because she was singing a song from The Wizard of Oz. Um, not The Wizard of Oz, but, you know, uh, you know the one I'm talking about. The musical um, Wicked. And she was dressed as the witch. And then you go, oh, OK, but. I guess what I'm trying to get at is that I'm not 16 years old and my 16 year old self probably would have posted some pretty stupid stuff on social media. And maybe even my 21 year old self, I could tell you that I've changed politically in 25 plus years. I could tell you I've changed socially. I could tell you that I've changed in the way I approach women and men. Um, very much so more important to me now to have more friends than it was 25, 30 years ago when I wanted to find love. And the way I treated people is, I hope, improved. Uh, talking with an old coworker from 25 years ago, the guy who I originally started my company with, we were working for a New York. Um, he wasn't based, but he was a New Yorker. And... Um, he was just the worst person to work for in the world. Um, but I, I was showing off a lot of smarts and he was using my ideas and talking about them and getting all the credit and never giving me credit. So me and a guy named Jim were like, let's, let's break off this company because I can't take it anymore. Um, because the guy would literally have me write. I remember he, I wrote the newsletter and one of my articles was when Apple was at $2. Essentially split adjust. It was probably at $14. And uh, 
can Apple be saved? And I, I wrote maybe, and it, the big focus was on BE. And this was the late nineties. And he, the, the dude took credit for it. And B operating systems was run by a company named Jean-Louis Gasset. And the graphic user interface, the 1990s of Apple and Mac, uh, PC wasn't the greatest. Windows 95 improved, Mac improved it a little bit more. Jean-Louis Gasset went really over the top. And ultimately, Apple did not buy B, which was what I was implying in the article, but they bought Steve Jobs' old company next. Um, not old company, but the company started after Apple. But Jean-Louis Gasset kind of stuck with me. Um, I guess the point of this this segment is Make sure your kids don't post a lot under the age of 25 or tell them that could really come back to haunt you. Um, I'm seeing it again and again and again and again. And in this case, it was the comedian who has a YouTube video that's out of context. And she didn't know that. Um, I have nothing else to say. I don't know if she's guilty or not guilty of some of her other allegations. Um, but this cancel culture is pretty tough on people. And I'll tell you, I sometimes I have to, you know, run a statement through my head before I say it out loud. Today, we're digesting the next June employment report that played into the soft landing narrative. We're talking about losses and a few mega caps weighing on the broader markets, which I'm fine with. They've had great years. Treasury yields are pulling back from yesterday. Yesterday was nuts. I was driving as the last three hours of the market were closing. And it was not lost on me that, wait, wait, where did the 10-year yield go? So if you look at a one-week chart on the 10-year treasury, and you could do this at Google's finance website or Yahoo's finance website, um, today we're sitting at 4.03%, but... Um, we were as high as four six four seven. So we're not pulling back a lot, but it's been pretty dramatic. So we're above four. We started the week off on Monday at three eight. So that's a big move in one week. Big move. Russell two thousand's a winner today. I like seeing that. Russell two thousand really plays into regional banks and ten year treasuries. Russell 2000 is, hey, me and Jason, Jason's running the board right now. Let's start a DJ company. I'm like, oh, he's like, yeah, let's do it. I'll do the DJ and you can do the management. Um, he's a great DJ, by the way, if anyone ever needs to hire a DJ, he's, that's his skill set. So one of my thoughts here in particular was the Russell 2000 is made up of a lot of small companies like that, of 10, 10 people companies. Um. And they tend to borrow money because, hey, let's let's change from just uh, party DJs to wedding DJs or let's teach kids a DJ summer camp. And that summer camp is going to we're going to have to rent a building. We're going to have to get some DJs coming in who are going to be working for less money than we work for. And it's going to be a lot of work. But that's what the Russell 2000 shows me. It's, it's the entrepreneurial side of America. But the entrepreneurial side needs regional banks because companies like Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley uh, Citibank, when we go to, they're going to go, you're too small for us. Sorry, we want bigger deals. Regional banks, sometimes they work on a handshake. So we want to see regional banks and Russell 2000 do well. And regional banks, uh, due to Silicon Valley Bank, got really tight. They got really nervous. 
They don't want to lend money in case people have a run on the banks and they go out, go down like Silicon Valley Bank did. So we really want to see the Russell 2000 hit not new highs, but outperform for a little bit from due to its underperformance compared to the other indices like the S&P 500. Now, again, not a fair comparison. It really isn't. Uh, the S&P 500 is filled with the Magnificent Seven, as they're likely to be called now, Tesla's Apple's. Amazon's, Microsoft's, Alphabet, you know, the usual suspects. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.